Welcome to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. It's time to make mental health a normal conversation with your host, Shane Kelton. Welcome back to the podcast, Power, Strength and Vulnerability. It's been a while and I have got a fantastic guest, first guest on return named Jasmine Pryor. Welcome, Jasmine. Thank you for having me. Good to be back on the first one with you. Yes, it is exciting and it will be the first one I released back. So there is a couple more coming. How are you feeling today? Oh, well, quite content, quite relaxed today, doing a bit of studying. But now we've started this podcast, I'm probably a little bit nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's okay because we'll just, yeah, we'll just chat. We're just going to chat and see how, where it takes us um, and the conversation and as the listeners probably know, I don't do a lot of research into some guests because I prefer to basically I like to ask questions as if I'm the listener. Yeah. Essentially. And I like to steer a conversation. So firstly, I'll just tell the listeners that we haven't even met we haven't even met each other before. Yeah. So but we're in a couple of weeks, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh we are going on a TV show called Adventure All Stars together. So that's how we know each other. Yeah, how exciting. So, I know. I This is not nothing to do with the podcast, but how excited are you really for this? I'm actually so excited. And personally, I don't like winter. So I the thought of going to Queensland in a couple of weeks, it's, yeah, I'm soaking. <laughs> Get out of the cold. <laughs> yeah, I think um, when we had the Zoom on Monday and she said we're going to Queensland, all of us Victorians are like, oh, <laughs> thank God. Because <laughs> I swear it's been this last week um, that it's just got really cold all of a sudden. So we're just like, get us out of here for a week. So yeah, we're right in the thick of winter and just looking desperately to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we are we are going on this trip, and I guess the first question I want to ask you is because we we needed to apply, and then uh, Matt. So this what we're doing this for is for Mindful Oz. So basically to short, cut a long story short, uh, we had to agree to raise $10,000 for Mindful Oz and we got to go on this amazing trip, um, which is aired on 7 Plus. I'm fairly confident, 7 Plus, where we go away for six or seven days and we basically just do adventurous stuff and our aim is to create awareness, essentially. Um why did you put yourself out there and apply to go on this show and to raise $10,000 for Mindful Oz? Um, firstly, I really, really, really appreciate what Mindful Oz does. I love the approach that Matt comes at when it comes to creating awareness around mental health. And I don't think as he's very, very individual in their approach in the way that they focus on primary intervention, which I really, really like because there's so many charities out there that are all about providing support for people in crisis, which is what we need. Um, but what Mindful Oz does is provide people with the tools and the resources so when they do reach life's adversities, they have that toolkit to not reach crisis, you'd hope. <laughs> like, yeah. That makes sense, <laughs> which does. I really, really appreciate, yeah. <clears throat> oh, fantastic, because it's basically the same reason I did it. I fired so drawn to so I'm going as well there's all listeners that as well um I'm yeah attracted to the same things like Matt goes into schools and 
the team go into schools and teach kids about emotions and stuff, which for a 32-year-old, these kids are probably learning more than I've learned over my 32 years of life. Like, so it's, you know, it fills my heart with hope that um, the next generation of kids come through and can understand what they're feeling and manage their emotions and um, enhance the life of, lives of their own, themselves and others around them. So there's no doubt that you have not only gone on for that reason, but obviously mental health has probably touched you in some shape. Um, is that another reason why you want to be part of this? Yeah, I've got so many ways in which mental illness has touched my life. Um, in my early to late teens, my younger sister really suffered with depression, self-harm, suicidal thoughts, eating disorders. Um, and I was sat beside her when she's been actively suicidal and wanted to end her life. Um, my older sister was addicted to hard drugs for about 16 years of her life. Uh, so I watched her, I guess you could say, self-medicate with methamphetamines <clears throat> in a way to disguise or hide from her own inner trauma and battles yeah. with mental illness. And I lost my uncle to suicide in early 2019. And as a emergency and psychiatric nurse, I sit with people every single day that are battling some form of mental illness. So, <laughs> so I'm sorry to hear a lot of that. And yeah, like, cause it's, I mean, where do I go from, from there? And I'm guessing the listeners might be like, well, there's a lot there to sort of debunk and we're not going to be able to talk about all of it. So essentially, I guess the first question I have is what's it like? Oh, no, first, before we go into that, have you suffered any sort of mental illness or is it, you know, have your, is, or is it just essentially your mental health, which you've had to make sure is a priority for you because you've, you know, it, it essentially has been around you so close. I personally don't have any mental illness diagnosis and I don't, not being investigated for any, I consider myself quite mentally healthy. Um, but in saying that, absolutely have, you know, experienced all the human emotions under the sun. Um, and I think, I don't know, I think in some ways I was born a bit of an old soul and um, when my sisters were going through what they were, I kind of um, grew up really quickly and made it a really strong goal of mine to make my inner world a positive place to be in and a supportive place to be in. Um, I just remember being like 14, 15 and just like obsessing over quotes and books and I don't know, anything I could grasp that would help me create a positive or helpful mind space I kind yeah. of grasped onto. So I don't know, it's probably a bit of a sidestep, but I think um, I'm not sure how I'm the one out of three sisters that has a, <laughs> a diagnosis, but for future research, you know, I've ended up in research or anyone that might be listening who's in psychology or whatever, I think it would be really interesting to study the ones in the family that aren't affected versus the ones that are. If you know what I mean? Uh, you know, what was it about me that makes me okay or makes me have a bit of a Able to, yeah. I think, yeah, I think you're, I think you're spot on the money there. I think def that's definitely something that we should be looking at um, yeah. for sure because 
because yeah, I think both sides of the coin, there's nothing wrong with each individual, but at some point the management skills that the individual has or hasn't got plays a huge role in that. And by the sounds of it, you know, through your teenage years, instead of going down one path, which it sounds like other people may have, you, you've gone to look for how can I self-manage basically in a really constructive way that can feed feed yourself with positive emotions and positive um, hormones and everything mm-hmm. that comes with with doing all that stuff because it definitely does. When you read a quote that just resonates with you, you can instantly smile and then that triggers the rest of the emotions that within your body and I don't I don't know the technical terms and stuff mm-hmm. like that but um it's yeah it's brilliant that you have found that and are able to then help those people around you and I don't know whether you believe this but I do believe that you know we've we've all got a role in this this world and maybe your role is to be that, that middle child to be that support network and um you had that old soul and I think a lot of people that have that old soul probably get scared of it. Mm. Um, so the next question I do want to ask you is how do you embrace that old soul in the moments where you may have tried to sort of escape it or not know what it was or have you just always run with it? That's a really good question. Um, I've always kind of sat with it, if that makes sense. I've always been really curious about my mind and curious about every emotion that it's experienced. And I say it because I feel like it's important to separate your mind from your actual self. You know, we aren't our thoughts. We aren't our thought processes. Um, So I've always, even from, you know, young teens, I've sat with, I've been good at identifying, okay, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling whatever emotion it is, it's uncomfortable and sitting with it and being like, let's unpack this, <laughs> find out what's triggering me. Yeah. Um, I guess as an older soul as well, I don't know whether this is, you know, founded in research or anything, but I personally find nature incredibly helpful. So I remember just going for long walks and I was lucky to grow up in a small little town that had a little creek running through it. And um, I'd often just hang out there. Like whenever I was just like full of, I don't know, sadness, emotions, and whatever else was going on. Had no control over what my sisters were doing, or you know, my parents had a divorce during that time as well. And um, yeah, I'd just hang out by the creek until I felt a kind of soothedness about me, if that makes sense. It makes sense to me, and hopefully, it makes sense to those out there that need to hear that because I think it's when you. So I've actually written down "born an old soul" because um, I probably will title the maybe titled this podcast board and old soul i just i just love that because i believe i was but i was that person that i think ran away from it okay that 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 peer pressure or that being different um but i think growing up and now being an empath and being able to and you would you would probably understand this with the psychology side of things being able to read people mm-hmm. quite well um, in situations now, I think there's so many out there that are just scared as well to step outside that the society norm. Um, yeah, so, raise, sorry. Yeah, you go, you go. Raise a really interesting point there with feeling like you're an outsider in the way that I guess an empath does roll into it that we feel so deeply and um, pick up on everyone's vibrations and energy around us 
so easily. Um, I think one thing that was a massive protector for me when I was in my young teens and life was a bit turbulent was that I did have two really close friends around me that were very similar, like two old souls. Yeah. <laughs> and um, instead of being 15 and talking about makeup and boys, we were sitting at school talking about the universe and the energies and <laughs> if you know what I mean. So that was a support that was incredibly, incredibly protective for me. I had like-minded people surrounding me that kept me on the right path instead of feeling like an outsider and, you know, making decisions that would otherwise not be good for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it sounds like I just popped into my mind um, Ben Crow, you know, Ben Crow's work. Yeah. Yeah, so his, um, his quote, I guess, is embrace your weird. Yeah. <laughs> and and the it's, it's funny thing is it's only weird because it's not seen as society's normal, really. Um, and one, I, I think it, I think in thirty years it's going to be normal, um, just yeah. not at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, if we could backtrack, um, I would like to ask what and why you got into the work you do, um, being a psych- psychiatric nurse. Yeah. Um, what does it entail? Um, in terms of obviously we don't talk about specifics, but for you, what's that like? And, you know, I've been in the mental health clinic as a patient, so I'll, I guess I probably can speak on some of this as well from the other side of things. So why did you get into it and how, how does that sort of part of your world feel or, yeah, what's it like? Um, it's been kind of a long story. I kind of fell into nursing and I won't bore you with the details of it. Um, initially I always wanted to work with animals, but I just uh, took a couple of gap years and worked up north on cattle stations. I had a epiphany one day. I was like, no, nah, people, <laughs> it's not animals. <laughs> and I've just always been a real science nerd. I just love biology and I love the ins and outs of how the human body works. I find it so fascinating. Um, so that's what's drawn me to nursing, that combination of loving for science and biology, but also wanting to help people. I guess my older sister has told me a couple of times, she's like, you grew up a helper in this family and now you've found that <laughs> in your job and in your career, like you just continued on. Yeah. <laughs> and that person supports other people. But there's something really special in being able to provide emotional support as well as physical support in a nursing role, particularly um, within the emergency department. But um, from a psychiatric perspective, um, I guess my love for wanting to work there is just stems from my experiences with my family members. And I just feel like I've got a lot of compassion where other people might not have that knowledge of, you know, I've sat with my sisters when they've struggled. So that makes me, really good at sitting with people that I'm not related to that are having a really hard time. You know, I can have someone come into the emergency department, sit with them when they've just attempted suicide and just hold complete space for them Yeah, quite well. I love that. Um, I love that. Love that. Um, that was kind of where I was heading. But I love the give them space. I find that probably a lot of people that get scared and are overwhelmed by suicide or, or depression or anxiety or anything like that, or even just emotions, big anger, sadness, mm-hmm. they just, they think they have to do something. 
And it's, it's that ability to hold space that is really important. Uh, I guess I'll put this out there and it's probably hard to do on a podcast, but I guess I'll put it out there to the listeners that the next time someone's pouring their heart out, just sit there and don't have any inkling to say something back. Just sit there and see what happens. And because it's just, it's just one of those most, most powerful things you do. And there's a good guy I played cricket with who we had a really good conversation once. And he said, the problem with the world is we listen with the intent to talk back rather than listen with the intent to listen. That's, that's what, that's what's changed. We, we always think we have to talk back. Um, the best part about having a conversation with someone is just listening because Absolutely. you'll find something. So yeah. I think as humans, we're natural born fixers. Like we want to get in there and support and help and find ways that this person can be better and, and shove it all on them. But the most powerful thing you can do, as you've said, is just listen and just be there for that person. And my younger sister, when she's been in her darkest moments, I've felt completely powerless. It, it just tears your heart apart because you feel like you can't do anything to get in that brain and tell her that it is worth living. You know? <laughs> um, I felt so powerless over the years, but she's since told me, like, you just sitting with me, you never left my side. <laughs> that's, that's what did it for her. That's what kept her around. It wasn't the words of advice or anything else. It was simply just being there. It's that simple. Yeah, it's amazing. And I've got a question, but I'll tell a story first. So I, in my years of speaking for Beyond Blue, I tell about a story which is very similar where I was the person who was suicidal. And I remember, um, and this person was my best friend from 14 to roughly around 2021. 20, and then we just, just life changed and, um, occasionally we'll just keep in touch with her but she used to just do the same thing i'd message her on a saturday night like 1 2 o'clock and just in tears suicidal and she'd just sit with me for three or four hours and i i tell this story because it kind of gets a bit of a laugh as well but it also gives gives people the understanding of the headspace someone might be in when they're struggling so we would sit out in the middle of winter at 2 a.m and she would be freezing and i I'm a gentleman, but in those three or four hours, I couldn't bear to even think about how I could make her warm because all my energy was focused on how do I keep myself alive? Mm. And going inside, I was scared of what I might do. So, and I'd wake up the next day and go, oh, you should have got her a doona or you should have given her a jumper. But in that headspace, you've just got no idea and you, you, you want to be dead. So, having any thought about anyone else is it's uh, it's impossible to be honest um so what other things do you have you done or have you been told that you've done and not known um to help the people around you other than just give space or even in your job because there's a lot of people out there at the moment who have got friends and family really struggling um with this kind of thing um, I think it's about being curious about the person that's struggling. So, because from my perspective, I haven't been in those dark places and a lot of people haven't. So instead of, I, I think the best thing you can do is um, when you're holding that space is just being like, how does this feel for you? Um, and being curious about how it affects them so you can understand that. But also, you know, you don't have to come back to the fall. You don't have to have to, you don't have to know how to help someone. 
So it's as simple as asking that question. How can I support you right now? Like, are you wanting the version of jazz that's going to give you advice or give you options of, and tools? Or are you wanting the version of me that's just going to listen and shut up and just be here? Do you want a pizza night? Do you want to go out? <laughs> like, how does it feel for you right now? And what's going to be the best support? That kind of thing. That is that's question. So, yeah, that's perfect. I wasn't searching for an answer, but if I was, that was that was the one. I think it's basically what you said is very simple. Yeah. Um, and because we, as you said before, we we're fixers by nature, and we try and overcome, complicate things, and we really don't need to. Um, so, brilliant advice. Similar thing with a broken leg. You're not going to go in there and pretend you're the surgeon and fix it all up. You know? You're going to go, all right, well, let me make dinner for you or let me go down the street and collect that thing that you need or, you know, whatever. It's just simple. Like you said, don't overcomplicate it. Brilliant. I love it. So with your family members around you, so if you're happy to move on from the work side of things, um, what has that been like? for you and how are the family and how are your sisters now going and you know really what's it what is it what is it like for you it's um it's been a couple years to the point where i can talk about it so um i'm in a space now where i can but because i'm in that space now because they're both doing amazing which is such good news (laughs) my older sister's been clean for about eight years now not on any drugs not alcohol, no smoking, like completely straight and narrow these days. She just had a little girl. She's in a really good partnership, got a little boy as well, and she's working in um, mental health support as a community clinician. (laughs) Um, So she's absolutely amazing. And my younger sister's the same. She's kicking goals. She's finished a degree last year in um, psychology and criminology, and she's working for an Indigenous operation um as a support worker helping indigenous people in victoria so they're both amazing um but during the time when they were struggling their most i was probably like 13 to 18 or 13 to 21 say um and that was really really hard i feel like there's not a lot of resources for the family members and this is a thought i had the other day i might even start something that does provide resources <laughs> you know what i mean yeah because um, yeah. you just feel powerless you feel so powerless and i love when my sisters with my whole heart and sitting beside them when they're having the worst day time and time again it just pulls a piece of your heart away every time it's yeah. just it's absolutely horrible and i went to sleep some nights not knowing whether my either sister would be alive the next day like my older sister suffered or she took an overdose. I remember mum calling me on the way home from school one day just saying she's in a coma and we don't know. And knowing the places my younger sister's been, um, yeah, just, their life was never really guaranteed for me. That was my reality, whether yeah. that was you know, true or not. But when you're in such a state of high stress all the time because you're so worried about them, you just feel like, I don't know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. <laughs> when yeah. my sister was really unwell and contemplating suicide, I didn't know a lot, of, a lot about suicide back then. I just knew that she wanted to die. And I thought that that was 
a thought that would be there for a number of days. I didn't understand it could be fleeting or it could come and go or anything like that. So I just didn't let it leave my side, which is incredibly stressful. <laughs> <laughs> just like you're going to let it drive the car without me in it because I don't know what you're going to do. You know, like it's, it's very, very stressful. Um, yeah, I, I do know that. Um, so I won't <laughs> say I can only imagine. I do know that. And it's like, I just guess I want to take the time out and I'm sure – I'm, I'm sure your sisters have told you this, but I'm just how grateful um, I am to be hearing that, you know, you probably saved your sister's life. So I think it's something that you and your whole family should be extremely proud of, even your sisters, because especially by the sounds of what they're doing now, using their experience is just we need more of it because that's where true change is going to happen um, going forward. That's that's I genuinely believe that um, because I find that people that have had the life experience don't really sugarcoat what's actually going on, and that's where we get help. Um, if people, a teenager walked up to you um, and said, "Oh, I'm suicidal," you wouldn't be like, "Okay, can you stop talking about that?" Because mm. blah blah blah, blah. you go, "Okay, no worries. How's that feel?" Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, you know. Huge credit to you and your family. Um, your sisters sound amazing. And if you can pack them in your suitcase when we go away, <laughs> that would be amazing as well because I think that would, I think that would fit in pretty well. Yeah, they would. They're, they're amazing. I come from a strong line of, of strong women, that's for sure. Very determined. <laughs> yeah. Very determined girls. <laughs> uh, Thank you. That's that. It's awesome. It's awesome. It fills my heart. Um, and it's why I love... Talk, just talking about this kind of stuff because it just makes me want to talk to more and more people because so many people have similar stories and the more open we are about it, the the more it becomes a normal conversation moving forward and those people who are in the grips of, of what your sisters went through um, instead of, you know, going down that line that we, we know is possible in suicide, you know, they can put their hand up and say, you know, I am been doing this for the last two years and I don't want to do it anymore. Question I have for you. Um, yeah. I want I want to die is something that comes up when people are very suicidal. Do you now think that it's that they want to die or they want to take the pain away? Definitely pain from what I understand. Like I said, I've never been in that place. But from all the people I've sat with, and there's been a lot since I've started my nursing career, it's just the pain that they want and it's and a good analogy I heard someone say was um you know we've got a broken leg and it's significantly broken bones popping through the skin you don't want to necessarily um chop off your leg but you probably have those thoughts because you just want the pain to stop and it's the same thing I like to liken mental health to physical health in analogies for people because it's the same kind of thing yeah you know, brains and organ just like everything else but yeah in answering that question from what I understand, people just want to take the pain away. Uh, I wanted to ask you basically because I I know having been the one that wanted to die, I was never I never wanted to die. I even in those moments, you actually love your life and you love a lot of things, but it's just the pain of something. And yeah, you're right. Physical health is a really good analogy because people understand it. Mm-hmm. So it's a really good way of describing it 
And I'm sure anyone that's gone through physical pain has probably said the same thing. Just get rid of it. Just chop it off. Just mm. off the cuff, I'll say. And that's that's what I guess that's essentially what someone saying I want to die is is basically doing, um, because their pain is right through them. Now, how did your sisters, if you don't mind me asking, and they don't mind me asking, how did they, you know, change their lives? It's a really good question. I think with anything mental health related, you don't wake up one day and go, all right, I'm going to pull my shit together and I'm going to rewrite my neurochemistry and my brain. Um, Actually, you probably do, but you do it 150 times and then realise it doesn't work like that. Yeah, (laughs) there's no quick, easy fix. Um, My older sister, her drug overdose um, was quite a wake up, I think. Um, and not long after that, she went into rehab, um, for about 12 to 18 months. So that was a long time coming. I mean, 16 years of drug abuse led to that. And I haven't, we're still yet to talk about the ins and outs of her decision-making around that time. Um, but yeah, I think an overdose and family encouragement, even though it was there the whole time was a, um, Massive factor in her decision. Um, and my younger sister, I'm not sure. It's a really good question. I might go back and ask her. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I know high school was super, super tough for her with bullying and um, leaving high school and starting uni and actually finding purpose um, and being around like one of people was massive for her. So... I guess starting to form her own identity away from the schoolyard was massive. And I, I'm not, when I ask this question, I say it with all due respect and I'm not saying that she did think this, but I'm, I'm asking the question. Um, do you think she, when, because when kids are bullied, they are, they are victims. That's, that's just what it is. But I think we then find ourselves attaching ourselves to that label. Do you think once she broke away from that school environment and she found that purpose, she broke away from that label. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And started to create a version of herself that she could align with that wasn't being constantly torn down by other people. Yeah. I think hopefully listeners, because I was definitely that person where I played the victim so many times and I just kept and I had to change that narrative and, um, yeah, it's, it just sounds like your sister there has found her purpose and changed her, na- her own narrative quite significantly um, because, yeah, like we, we, are, we are victims at the time but we aren't victims for life. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, have, we have trauma associated with that which we need to heal and work through and all of that but essentially your sister sounds like it's not as simple as this, but it sounds like she's changed her own narrative quite yeah. well. So and It's been a long time coming. Like I said, that didn't happen overnight. Um, she's 25 now, so she's been out of school, what, seven years, and um, she's the best she's ever been. Yeah. So it takes, it takes some time. <laughs> yeah. Does, does she, and you were talking about her earlier with her work with the Indigenous. Does she see a lot that goes on in that, those types of communities and does that help her with gratitude and um, being humble and staying, you know, in the moment? 
I think so, definitely. And she's she's really learned about Indigenous health a lot and it's really um, prompted her to be a massive um, advocate for them. Um, but, yeah, definitely, I think it would make anyone realise okay, how good you have it, I guess. Indigenous yeah. people are such a minority and they, yeah, they, well, I'm not sure what the word is that I'm looking for. It's at the end of my tongue. But um, they suffer so much from intergenerational trauma and, yeah. yeah, all of it. Yeah. It's, yeah, and it's something that I won't comment on because I don't know enough about it. Um, I hope one day that I can speak to, um, I'd, I'd love to go out into an Indigenous community and just speak to them and get to know them. And um, I do know we went to Warrnambool earlier in the year um, and we, we had an Indigenous person take us around and, um, taught us about what happened at Warrnambool and it was just, it was unbelievable the stories he was telling and um, I, I genuinely, I actually, saying that I actually met an Indigenous man in the mental health clinic yeah. Um, and, yeah, he told a story. I mean, it was, he just had his own mental health issues and, um, you know, unfortunately he was just, when one of his incidents occurred, he was just treated with complete disrespect. And I just know that if it was me that had done that, I probably would have been let go by the police or whatever where he wasn't. So definitely out there. Um, but that's, that's as far as I'll go until I learn more. And I would love to learn more about it. Um, so if anyone listening out there wants to sit down with me, um, yeah. I would love to off or on air. I'd love to learn. Yeah. That question is done and that will help many people. So you have your own Instagram, which is story of a sibling. Yeah, yeah. So that's as you look at this, you've just lit up there. <laughs> I might have to find that and screenshot that later because the eyes just um, opened up wide then. Tell, and I'm, I'm guessing we've talked a fair bit about why that's come about, but what, what essentially is your aim with this page? And please, I'll, sh- I'll share all of your links. Um, I'll share the link to Story of Assembling and then Mindful Oz stuff, which I'll talk about soon as well. Um, what what's it about? Why do you do it? Um, so it's called Story of a Sibling, which probably makes a lot of sense after everything we've talked about because um, it does, my passion for mental health and illness stems from my experiences with my sisters. Um, it probably was brought about after losing my uncle to suicide in 2019. That was a real, always been passionate about raising awareness and then that happened. That was just to kick up the ass. <laughs> just like, all right, you may as well do something. You have to do something. <laughs> um, and I constantly share a lot of things on Facebook and my private Instagram account about mental health. And um, I just decided I wanted to create a page where I could continue to do that because you feel like you're shoving it in people's faces on your personal yeah. accounts. And I thought I may as well make a page that dedicates to that. So I just... Primarily want to be want the page to be about mental health awareness and my own stories. Um, I particularly like we're talking about my job in the psych unit now and again as well, just just to debunk some myths around that and what that's like. Um, but also just a mental health promotion because I think I'm not the <laughs> guru of mental health, <laughs> yeah. but I like to think that I've created a really healthy 
mindset for myself and healthy brain space, if you want to call it that. And I just want to share those tools that I've learned over the years with other people, because I think mental illness diagnosis or not, we can all create a healthier space for ourselves in our minds. So if I can share things of what that looks like and just make the average person a little bit happier and grateful or get more out of life, then that's good for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah it's, it's awesome. It just sounds, um, so it sounds amazing. So please, people, please go and follow um, and like all of our stuff because it is, it's cool. Like I read a lot of it. I don't look at a lot of stories, but I always look at, like there's about five or six where I look at and some of them are friends, kids, and then the rest are mental health stuff. And that's one of them. So, um, and as you kind of sort of touched on then, I think you, what you're trying to do is you're really trying to help the people that are gurus in the space by promoting what they're doing because they're, they're doing the research. So it's about drawing people to, up those funnels you're just you're just a part of the funnel which is attracting people in that resonate with your story and then they might need that extra help and so I think it's a brilliant thing you're doing thank you would you like to talk about your uncle at all or is it something you don't talk about too much I like to talk about him in the way that he debunks a lot of myths around suicide so he was a very um, successful man, entrepreneur, had his own business. It took him overseas, um, regularly travelled overseas with his family for work and just for fun. <laughs> like yeah. from the outside, had it all, you know what I mean? Like two beautiful girls going through uni, a wife, like beautiful home, not a picture of someone you would think that was really battling some yeah. hard stuff. <laughs> so... I like to talk about him in that sense because I feel like for people that don't understand suicide or self-harm, suicidality, they think that in air quotes that the person's weak-minded or they're homeless or that kind of thing. Yeah. But my uncle was a complete opposite. Um, so, yeah, in that way I like to speak about him. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And that's, that's, that's all I'm going to in essence, talk about him because I think it's just perfect way to encapsulate the way he probably lived his life um, and probably that so many others live their life. Um, and as you say, it's debunking that myth because as you know and I know from being in psych wards, these people are just human beings. Like it's you have this picture, and I've spoken about this before on the podcast, you, you have this picture of people walking around in straight jackets when it's just not like that. Like they're literally, they're just human beings that like they're usually, they're usually most of them are like the most caring people in the world. And that's like, can be their biggest downfall is they care like way too much. Exactly. exactly. Uh, and that's definitely one thing I've noticed from working on psych wards as well is that no one fits a mold. No one fits a stereotype. You walk past them in the street and have no idea that the next day they'll be admitted for attempted suicide or acute psychosis or, you know, anything. I remember, yeah, being in the psych ward and walking down, just walking down to the shops because we're allowed our one hour out a day or whatever it was. And if you were mentally well enough to do that and you're approved of that, um, 
yeah, and I remember one of the guys I was in there with, he'd come back from the army where, you know, and there was a um, car backfired on Chapel Street and he jumped because it reminded him of war. Um, but anyone else that walked past him would have thought this, you know, he was a weirdo that's just jumped. Mm-hmm. Um, but in essence, everyone does have that story um, or that trauma or that whatever they're working through. And I, I remember we, yeah, we used to, we went and played basketball against complete randoms and there's no way they would have known we'll, we would just walked up from the side court. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You've got no idea what people are going through. And I think I shared something to my story um, on Story of a Sibling just recently. It says this is what depression looks like and it's heaps of famous people that have taken their lives that are smiling and you just you really don't know what people are facing. People can wear masks so well. Yeah, I think the perfect one that comes to mind when I talk about that, and he, he probably has become the face of it a lot, is Robin Williams. Like, yeah. Um, and I still remember a comment coming pretty soon after his death by saying, oh, but he's so rich and so happy. And, and it's like, exactly. Like, it doesn't, none of that matters. Like, some people would give away every dollar they have for happiness. They would prefer to live on the street because they just do what they do. And I think he's, I mean, he was a great man, probably like your uncle was, who just, he just wanted to make other people laugh and smile and that that's what gave him happiness, but not, didn't feel, feel him right up. So yeah, those, those, there's so many of them, um, unfortunately, especially in the TV industry. Um, so We're going to share, I'll also share your Mindful Oz links. So if anyone does want to donate that is listening has got something out of this, please donate to the link uh, for Mindful. So all of it goes to Mindful Oz and it will just boost Jazz's tally up. She's already got her $10,000. So she is going on the trip. She hasn't been kicked off. Um, But any, any more help is great. Now, is there anything more you want to talk about in regards to what we've spoken about? Um, nothing that immediately comes to mind. Um, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If on. any listeners do have any questions, feel free to send them through or follow Story of a Sibling and ask yourself. Yeah. Um, with anything. And hopefully we're not just a one adventure all stars and you're filled with thousands of messages and we all have to grab a phone and sign in and write back for you. <laughs> no, it won't be. No, I'm not. My, my three follow my three listeners might um, send one thing through each. Um, I guess what is a couple of questions here. First one, what does your future look like in this space? Where do you want to go with it? Or are you just living day by day? Um, yeah. What is, what, what drives you going forward? In regards to the mental health space. Yeah, yeah and, and life. Tell me yeah. about life as well. That's fine. <laughs> um, in regards to the mental health space, I just, I'm not sure what it is yet or what I'm going to do, but I just have this strong feeling that I'm going to make a difference on a large scale somehow. And I'm not sure how that will look. And I think if I spend time mapping it out and planning it, then it's I'll lose opportunities that arise, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've got this um, idea in my head of like 
standing in front of people and sharing my story and um, motivating people and inspiring people. Um, but the path that's going to get me there, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll just want to keep doing opportunities like raising money for Mindful Oz and starting conversations and just following my gut and my passion with that and seeing where that goes. Brilliant. Yeah. What about life outside life? of mental health? Because um, everyone loves you now. Everyone's listening loves you now. They just want to know everything. <laughs> um, Career-wise, um, I'm currently doing my postgraduate in emergency nursing, so I'm specialising in emergency, which I am absolutely loving. There's something about emergency nursing that makes me really excited. <laughs> um, it's the craziest of people in emergency nursing, but I have complete admiration when I say crazy. Um, we are a little bit crazy. <laughs> and I, I love that every shift, every single shift is different. Um, you never know what you're going to walk into. Um, and this study that I'm doing is going to allow me to work with more critical patients, um, which obviously I don't want anyone to be unwell, but if they are, I will be there. You know, if you've just been in a massive car accident and you've lost two litres of blood, I want to be there. And yeah. just attempted suicide and you're unconscious, I want to be there. Yeah. It's um, that kind of critical um, but so when, when I say yeah. crazy, I say, I mean, it is in that's gutsy. It's brave. It's, it is trying to use the word too flatulently. I think that's not the word too willy nilly. That's not the word either, but it's kind of matches it, but it's heroic in what, what, what it is. And that's, I couldn't, and I say that because 99, probably 99.9% of the population could never, ever be in that situation. Um, I, I put my hand up and I, was, I went to two ICU wards in one day and that was enough for me for a lifetime. Whether I have a choice in that matter, I don't know, but um, that was mm-hmm. enough for me. So I genuinely think it's yeah, very brave and um, unbelievable, to be honest. So Thank you. Thank you. It is, yeah, it's, it's a career I've, it's job satisfaction is 11 out of 10 and I'm grateful for that, but I've found a career that um, fulfills me so much. So, yeah, that's where my career is going and hobby-wise, um, I love horse riding so I compete and ride on a horse and I just love being outside. I just love adventures. I just want to, on days off, I'm like, let's go to the bush, let's go for driving, let's go explore, I want to see new places. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, picturing, I'm picturing you probably because this TV show is on, that's all I'm doing at the moment, but I'm picturing a, like a, here's this nurse who's in the uniform caring and saving lives. And then you've got this person on the, on the flip screen who's in the boots and he's muddy and riding a horse through the bush. Like just these two like really different types of things, but essentially both of them are, getting things dirty, both of them are, are, you know, risky, adventurous and with adrenaline. And so, <laughs> but if you put them side by side, it'd be like, that is just not the same world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I need that different world because my job is so high pressure, high stress. I need that nature and the outdoors and animals and that unwind. It's a good balance. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's opposite. Yeah, yeah. And I love that animals because they don't speak back. So you get that, <laughs> that, that just that great feel of, yeah. But they, they're so, 
animals just know, as you, as you would be aware, they just they just get a feeling of when they need to be doing a certain thing to help the humans out. So, um, yeah, all those things, so crucial for your mental health as well. Yeah. So we're not just talking about you here, but I guess the bigger picture is that for the people out there struggling, get, and I know we're in and out of lockdowns and stuff, but when you can get the chance, yeah, do these kinds of things because... Um, as you'd probably be aware, there's just so much out there to see. Mm, there is. And do. Um, I, I, I personally, I was we we're talking off air about what, and we'll talk about this, we'll, we might as well move on to this, but mm-hmm. talking about the adventures we want to do yeah. on our trip. And I will say, I was talking about heights before, and I don't like heights, and I kind of threw myself under the bus for the producers a little bit by saying that <laughs> you'll get good TV if it's heights. But the one thing actually probably would be worse is actually horses because I remember on a school camp when I was 13, we, it was in um, Hackwell, Bright, around there, somewhere in there, and we all got a horse and they gave me, that I was, you know, fit 13-year-old, probably a bit cocky, a bit arrogant, and um, so I ended up with the horse, which uh, had a bit of a trait for taking off, um, and it took off, and it dumped me in the river. Um Ooh about 200 metres away from everyone else and I remember landing like on a rock and I obviously I was 13 so I pretended like I was fine but I was in agony. Um, so <laughs> I don't have a good track record with horses. I think I have got on once or twice back but if we have to go back on horses you might see tears, <laughs> tears again when, when we go away. So. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm really interested to see what we end up doing. Um, yeah, horse riding or I wouldn't mind skydiving. That scares me, so that'll be yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think it'll be – so we go away for six days. I think it'll be like three, like, thrill-type things and it'll probably be like three kind of low-key but daunting things. Um, but if, I, if there's three things I don't want to do, it'd be horse riding, skydiving and bungee jumping. But if there's three things I want to do, it'd be horse riding, skydiving and bungee jumping. <laughs> <laughs> I love the braveness there. That's <laughs> Commendable. Yeah. So you just, you just, I don't think this experience we're going to get, and I think we'll talk about the bigger picture in a second, but overall, I think, I think it's going to be really important that a couple of us throw ourselves under the bus a little bit. And I have a feeling I'd love to get Troy on the podcast, but I have a feeling Troy might be the other one that's going to throw himself under the bus quite a bit. Um, so me and him might have to take a few things for the team. Um, and yeah, we'll wait and see. Jack and oh, geez, names are evading me. Jack and who ran the hundred kilometers? Yeah, um, they're gonna listen and gonna get back <laughs> into me here. Oh no, um, last name plots, isn't it? I'm better, I'm better. Have a look, um, <laughs> we get to meet everyone, so it's okay to forget names, Paul. Paul, yeah, so Jack and Paul ran 100 kilometres. I dare say that they're pretty brave and courageous as well because no one just runs 100 kilometres in one stint. So um, maybe you should make them run another 100. Yeah. In between set, in between uh, filming, they're going to run another 100. <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, that effort was incredible. I, I Hats off to them. I've got no words. How do you run 100 kilometres? That's incredible. I, I I know Paul's done lots of stuff like that before. I still don't think Jack believes he did it. 
no, I can't. I just yeah. get this feeling that he just somehow got over the line. So, <laughs> um, and, we will, and we will, like, I will have a couple of the others on the show mm-hmm. as guests um, and we'll talk about what they've done. But what essentially have you done to raise your $10,000 um, over the journey? It's up to $12,500 now, I think. Yeah, well, 14, above 14, yeah, because it's two grand sitting there that you transfer across from some charity shirts. Yep. So, yeah, I've designed some, well, they're fishing shirts um, with the Mindful Oz logo. They're super colourful. I designed a men's and a women's one. Um, they've got my own photos on them or photos that I've taken. Um, I've got a QR code on the sleeve. I love them, as you can probably tell. <laughs> um, so that was really, really cool, designing them. Um, and, yeah, they've profited over two grand. So that was awesome. Um, and I also jumped on the radio as well. That was another highlight. That was so much fun. We talked about it for two hours. It was weekend. Um, and then when you when you did that, you were only meant to be on for like a short amount of time, or was it you were meant to be on for that? No, nah, Tim dedicated the full two hours. So the radio host um, is quite well known in Gippsland. Um, is called Trucking with Tim. That's his program, and he survived a suicide attempt couple of years ago and he heard about what I was doing and he was like I've got to get this girl on my show <laughs> and um was brave enough to dedicate his full was it a Sunday morning we did it I think it is on it was um later last year but yeah he dedicated his full segment to us talking about mental health and our own stories and mindful others and we had Matt on and yeah, that was really cool. So that got me over the 10K. It didn't raise the 10K, but I was sitting close when I jumped on the radio and that got me over That's That's amazing. And I guess it's another just a show of how many people are there actually really do care, like just despite some people, you know, you know work not only battling but managing life silently through this. There is so many people out there that genuinely do care and you don't know who they are. And, um, yeah, amazing that you could have. You could, you got that. So, um, is there any, is there any shirts left, or are you doing any anything else that people can jump on and get? Yeah, are actually a few shirts left. Of what I ordered, there's probably about um, ten left. They messed up the order, so I've got forty size fourteen. So if anyone's out size fourteen on a charity shirt, hit me up because I have so many. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there are a few left in men's and women's limited sizes because it was all. Um, only ordered 110 so yeah. they're um limited edition and yeah but if you're interested send me a message <laughs> all right well i'll put yeah that'll be in the links as well for the show i have got a shirt so yes thank you uh, so much that's right i'm excited to wear it when i'm allowed out of the house <laughs> <laughs> um so i think i think so a few of the others um I've done different things to raise money and what I'll do in the show notes is I'll actually share a link to all of their pages. Oh, not all of their pages, to the main page so people can donate and go and um, have a look around. Um, I guess I want to talk, just finally talk about, we spoke briefly on Mindful Oz, but what have you found since, I mean, starting this? Did you know Matt prior to applying, you know, how have you found Matt through this? And I'm asking this question knowing safely that it's going to be a positive response. So I'm assuming a little bit, but you know, he, oh, he's so passionate about what he does. Uh, how have you found that 
process. So this is probably a little bit of time where we can pump Mindful Oz up. Yeah, well, I first got in contact with Matt pre-COVID last year um, about doing some volunteer work with Mindful Oz. So that's where my communication started with him. And I was, like I said, I was really aligned with what Mindful Oz does and their primary intervention approach. Um, and I've only, since then, I've only met Matt once, which he did a, um, had a night where we spoke at Rosedale Football Club, which is local to me. So I thought I'd pop down there and meet him. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't really have words, to be honest. I just, the approach that he's taking with his education um, approach and the way that he shares his story, he's so engaging. And he just brings a whole new fresh approach to the mental health space. And he just really radiates that love. And, yeah, he's been awesome. I'm so, couldn't be more excited and more proud to be supporting what he does. Yeah, echo all of those thoughts um, 100%. So, and I will try and get him. I know he's very busy at the moment, but I'll, uh, in the coming weeks, I'll try and get him on as well. Um, maybe I'll get him on and post the trip. Um, yeah. And we can sort of bask in, in the trip. I don't, he doesn't go. Um, so it'll be, yeah, it'll be cool to, yeah, thank him at the end of it um, because I'm going to be honest, I don't know if you'll even have time to listen to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but I, might, I might share a video snippet of what your words were with him or um, on the pay, on my pages so that he can see them. So yeah. one final question before I let you go, Unless hey, is there anything else you would like to add? No, I, like I said, I find it difficult to summarise the work he's doing and who he is as a person and I just really like the approach he takes. So question off the cuff and you may not be ready for this. I would love you to end the podcast with your favourite quote or a quote you can at least think of off the top of your head. Oh, that's a tough one. So I've been obsessed with quotes since I was like 14. Um, oh, that's really hard. Good question. The one that's it's straight away coming to my mind is um, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. That's in the forefront of my mind right now. I absolutely love that. And I'm going to say thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's been amazing and I can't wait for this adventure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on board, Shane. I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for listening to Power, Strength and Vulnerability, the mental health podcast. If anything in this podcast has brought up difficult feelings, please call Lifeline on 13 1144. For any further information, or if you want to bring your story to life, contact Shane at shane at vitalityfit.com.au. That's V I T A L I T Y F I T T.com.au.